This is Vietnam's Renovation Generation. Sonic portraits of young minds reshaping the country's future. <laughs> In episode 15, we talk to Plastic, the fashion blogger and internet artist who has established herself as the queen of virtual emo. She lives in a part of the internet where Hello Kitty meets bondage fantasies and teenage souls find comfort in being weird. We spoke to her about the blurred line between her art and commercial endeavor, how intense loneliness led to online success and getting married to a guy two weeks after meeting him. She's wearing a denim miniskirt button down the front, a black leather crop top with fake nipple piercings and a pair of her signature platform shoes. Her perfectly combed high ponytails have dark purple highlights and her lipstick is the same color. For me, fashion is, is a way to show my self-respect. It is important for me to dress how I feel like dressing. Looking like yourself is the first part to self-awareness. Her unapologetic attitude to fashion and out there styling has become her career. As a teenager, she could not afford the clothes she wanted to wear, so she simply started making and selling them herself. And being a digital native, she used the internet to help. I opened a blog to like showcase how people can wear the clothes of my brand. And then somehow, the blog got more popular than a clothing store. So I closed down the store and then I just make the blog bigger and bigger. That is my um, main, mainly earning job now. How does that work for somebody who doesn't know how to make money off social media? Like, how do you? It's fairly simple. It's uh, the bigger the audience you have, the more money they will pay. And I work as a producer in between. So they send me clothes, and I, I will produce the images to advertise for that product, and I post it on my social media sites. They, being indie fashion labels who ask Plastic to feature their clothes on her blog because of her numbers that are currently 730,246 visits on her blog, 343,000 Instagram followers, 28,000 likes on Facebook, 13,168 fans on Lookbook, plus Tumblr, Twitter, and Snapchat. Numbers that she had never calculated for. I did not expect that to happen at first. It was just simply, I was just lonely. I'm very open in writing online, so I write everything online, but I don't necessarily share everything with my friends. And I'm an open book. I don't really hide anything, but I don't really share until someone asks the right question. She started her online work four years ago, and her mix of personal diary entries, fashion photography, inspirational quotes, and style guide quickly led to success. The reason why I got popular so fast because I'm not like, you know, other fashion blogger, right? They usually write about fashion, like, oh, they go to fashion week this place, or oh, they wear these Hermes bag today, I don't know, I don't know, whatever they do. The outfit post, which is like, you know, my fashion editorial post with what is going on. Like, so my blog is like my diary and my fashion diary at the same time. I share my real feelings, like, I share everything about my life online like, and people relate to it because they say they can see that behind everything that is so shiny, like there's something else and 
The result is a somewhat sinister collage of grunge, a longing to connect, light Satan worshipping, 90s nostalgia, and the usual suspects for emo inspiration, including Sylvia Plath and Nietzsche. I'm very heavily influenced with the internet culture. So, you know, Cyberwave, uh, Young Blocks, and 90s movies at the same time with the neon vibe, grunge, punk rock. It's, it's very difficult to explain what is going on right now in the cyber culture because you know, it's the internet, like you have to see it to understand it. Her aesthetic lands her jobs in fashion PR, modeling, the odd appearance in Russian music videos, and writing. Currently, she's working on two fiction books, and despite being only 21, she was asked to write her life story to be published by Bloom Book later this year as part of a series of female role models. All the other girls are writing about relationship and being business-wise but she wanted me to write a book about uh, addictions and mental disorder recovery so she said that that is something that no books in Vietnam has written about yet especially a Vietnamese girl she says she has struggled with all kinds of addiction I would not call myself as having an addictive uh, personality it's more like I'm trying to find a different way to cope with pain in different times. It really just different types over different times. It's never really end and yeah. it never really started. One of these pains is how her family dealt with her acting up as a teenager. Well, I was 15 and um, I told my parents I, I don't like school. I don't want to go to school anymore. I want to quit. How did they react? They sent me to Singapore. I think that is... Uh, I don't know, I think it's just wrong. To just send your kid off like that. Yeah. In Singapore, she made connections to the creative scene through the dance community. She says only few people know she has had a side career as a dancer specializing in popping in her brother's dance company. But it has shaped her life and career significantly. When you are a dancer, right, you have a community that is really helpful to each other. We have a lot of exchange program with Singapore dancers. Like they come over for a dance event, and we come over there for a dance event. So I just have no people in Singapore. Today, she's a fiercely independent, business savvy young woman who is making a living seemingly without losing the air of authenticity that makes her so appealing. And she's mostly self taught. For me, right, you can learn anything. Like, I don't believe in talents and shit, you know? But hard work was not the answer when it came to dealing with the loneliness and the emptiness. I was trying to find adventures because I didn't feel anything. I truly wasn't feeling anything. Like I'm like, I want to feel scared, you know? Like, I want to feel scared for once. Like, I want to know how it feels like to be terrified, but I don't. After I got married, it's kind of funny that every day I wake up, I feel so many things and I haven't even get out of the house yet. I don't. I don't, I don't feel missing in that part anymore. Her husband is a friend of a friend. They met on a road trip from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh City and got married 12 days later. We just go to do the paperwork. We don't actually have a wedding. You want to? No. Flashy stuff is not for me. It's not really about the commitment either because 
we, we just kind of know that we're going to stick together. I don't know, we just feel like we need to do it. And they did. And her family's reaction certainly wasn't flashy either. So when I got married, I was I was dancing for my brother's show, my like my actual brother. He's a dance choreographer, a contemporary dance choreographer. What's his name? Le Boulong. I was telling him, like, uh, hey, I may come a little late to a dance practice this afternoon. I gotta get married. And he's like, okay, you can be late, but don't be too late. No one in my family knows about his existence. My parents are very, very strange people. So I have not talked to my dad in years. When I call him, like, hey, I just got married. He said, oh, really? Take care. And then he just hang up. Getting married on such a whim does not quite gel with how Plastic usually makes decisions. I'm definitely not an impulsive person. Actually, I am, a, I am the directly opposite of an impulsive person. I think very carefully about what I do and about consequences. And I am actually the type that is always overthinking. It has been half a year in the marriage and she's slowly getting used to it. Marriage is a very strange thing for me. Like I've been living alone for a long time, and even when I was living with my parents, like when I was like very little, I was always on my own. So I have to do everything by myself. But then, like sometimes, right when I was just doing something, I'm just like, oh my god, I got so many things on my hand, and I, then I just realized that I can get him to do it. You know, it's, it's, it's a very strange feeling. Every day I go through it, like whatever happens the day, I'm just like, wait, I got another person going on right here. Is she worried about losing her independence? I'm not scared of being dependent. I'm more like a perfectionist. I'm, I'm very focused on details. I'm, I have to plan out everything and it has to go exactly my way. Like I have to be control of, in control of everything. When I have to work for other people, it pisses me off, like I cannot do it. But when I'm my own boss, right, I control everything. So it's easier for me that way. But life and work with her husband is teaching her to change that. You know, it's kind of funny, like right now, right, like I'm, I'm, I'm learning to let go, you know, like I'm learning to be more chill. Yeah. This has been The Renovation Generation. Follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to The Renovation Generation on iTunes, Stitcher or Mixcloud to never miss an episode. Cloud, 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 cloud. SoundCloud. Cloud, cloud. It is produced by Eliza Lomas and Fabiola Bukele. Our production assistants are Chang Yim and Chang Ngo. Jack Smith is our photographer and the narration was done by myself, Bill Nguyen, an And of Other Things production. In episode 16, we will hear from four young women in their late teens who we took out for coffee and cake to chat about privilege, not being taken seriously by the generation that precedes them and their hopes for the future. Be sure to listen.